Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. How is everybody? Ready for some uh, bottle rockets and hot dogs? Yeah, they can do bottle rockets in Florida. You got to go to Alabama to get those, don't you? Man, I was thinking this week just how much dumb stuff we did as kids. We used to, anybody ever do bottle rocket wars? Man, I mean, you really, that's like the, the, the step into manhood, the bottle rocket war. Can you really call yourself a man if you had in a bottle rocket war? Um, I saw that joking kids do not do bottle rocket wars. I don't need those emails from your parents. Um, be wise, be better than us, right, Dad? Right? Okay, good. Um, this morning, I'm going to preach really fast because I believe I have a topic that is straight from the throne room of heaven. Uh, it is fresh revelation to me, uh, and I pray that it, uh, it uh, challenges you. Uh, we've waited on these for a long time. We have these free for everybody today, uh, Hope City window decals. And so, uh, yep. Um, you can get yours at uh, Guest Central. Just as soon as you walk in past the big bronze horse, the table right in front of you when you walk in, you can get those there. So, um, yeah, so somebody can have this one if they want it. Just come get me, come find me after service. You can have that one. Um, today, we're going to continue the letter series from the book of Colossians, which I don't spend a lot of time in Colossians. Uh, there are people who spend a lot of time there. Uh, I tend, uh, in Paul's letters, I spend time in Romans and Corinthians. Uh, but Colossians is a little bit different. Um, it's broke up into several different pieces, but for today, we're going to talk about the four steps to uh, every Christian's walk, the four steps to every Christian's life and walk. And so uh, we're going to start in Colossians chapter 2. But before I do, I want to pray because um, I need the Holy Spirit to get this to you the way He got it to me. I don't want to mess this up. I want you to get this revelation. And so pray with me uh, that the Lord, Leah prayed such an eloquent prayer earlier, and I don't think she realized what came out of her mouth. She said, may every word that escapes from his mouth be from the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the most powerful ways I've ever heard it. So let's just pray real quick. Father, first, I thank you for the opportunity to teach your word. Father, forgive me for the years that I ran. Uh, Lord, would you uh, restore the years that the locust and moth destroyed? Uh, would you allow the strength of the Holy Spirit uh, to be seen and felt in our time together in your word today? Father, please, uh, I'm in alignment with Pastor Leah. Let every word that escapes from my mouth uh, be like sweet morsels to each person here, Lord, that they would thrive and, uh, and be blessed from it because it comes from you, not from me. And I thank you in advance in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to start in verse 11. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. This is not physical circumcision. This is spiritual circumcision. It says, By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, meaning that Christ allowed us to step away from the flesh. It says, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also, you were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, 
having forgiven you all trespasses. Look at your neighbor and say, all trespasses. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Handwriting. Let me give you some clarity on that. That means that every, even the rules written by men, God did not write. It's his handwriting. He says, even men that wrote rules. I'm going to give you freedom from that as well. Aren't you glad for that today? He says, uh, he says uh, uh, handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now watch this next part. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in this. Now, uh, there's a lot being said there, and I'm going to teach fast because I want you to get understanding, but today we're going to build like Legos. Uh, I'm going to have to give you understanding to go to the next level, so stay with me. I need everybody to focus. Uh, just try your best to stay with me. If I see that you're not getting it, I'll slow down. There are four steps to every believer's life according to the book of Colossians. Four steps. Uh, the first is dying to self. The next is raised in the newness of life. Then there is the hiding and then the revelation or being hidden and revealed. Okay, this is in Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 3. Okay, um, we're going to talk about these uh, just for a few minutes this morning. I'm not going to hold you long, uh, but I'm going to talk about those in order because they build on each other. Um, dying to self, dying to self. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen. I'm sorry, Galatians five twenty four. It says, "And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires." How many know it's important to crucify your flesh? For those of you who weren't churched and you don't understand what I'm saying and you think this is weird conversation, what happens is is when you accept Christ, we believe that you are no longer bound by the desires of your flesh or your five senses. That you don't have to be bound by what you desire and crave anymore. You can have freedom from those things, right? But it begins with dying or crucifying the flesh. Another reason why it's so important to crucify the flesh is because the only licensed animal the enemy has to kill is the flesh. Did you know that? I'm going to show you this in a second, but I want you to think about this. There's a license that was an eternal license. And the devil said, I am going to hunt the flesh. Why won't he hunt the spirit? Well, he tried. Jesus said it like this. He said, I saw Satan thrown out of heaven like a bolt of lightning. Why? Because he went after God who was in the spirit, right? I'm going to show you another verse here in a minute that will give you clarity on this. The only license the enemy has is to hunt the flesh. That's it. He cannot hunt your spirit. The Bible says that the spirit came from God and will return to God. This is a small breath of God. The devil can't do a thing about that. So what does he do? He tries to tempt you with these things called temptations. Now here's what's interesting. You can be tempted and not sin. Did you know that? You do not have to yield to the temptations of the devil. The Bible says that the power of the Holy Spirit has given us victory over temptation. Right. So why is it important to die? Because when you die to the flesh, 
you become a new creature that the enemy can't hunt. Okay, let me show you in the scripture. Hang on. I saw I lost a few of you. Why is it important to be raised in the newness of life? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. When you step out of the flesh and into the spirit, now there's benefits that come with that. And some of the benefits that come with that are that the enemy can only try to connect to the fleshly parts of you. When you are 100% in the flesh, he can hit 100% of you. But the parts that you submit to God and put under the blood, they are now under the subjection of the third step of the believer called the hiding. The hiding. And we're going to get there in just a second. But first, I want to show you more about the devil only being able to attack the flesh. In the book of Corinthians, Paul is dealing with some people who are dealing with some real freaky junk. All right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, he is dealing with the church, and they say there is a man that goes to this church who is incestually having an affair with one of his father's wives. Freaky junk, like I said. Now, here's what's interesting, is that Paul says, go to him, try to restore him, and correct him. If he continues to walk this out, we get to verse 5, and he says, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Right? The destruction of the flesh. And then he goes on to say, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Why did he say turn him over to the enemy? Because all the enemy can do is destroy the flesh. He has no right to the spirit. Right? I need you to understand that because of where we're going today. If you understand that your flesh is the connective tissue to sin, then you will be enlightened as we continue through the word today. Now, let me say this. I said it a minute ago. I'm going to bring some more clarity to this. Just because the devil lobs temptation your way does not mean you have to pick it up. This blew my mind today. This may be old hat to some of y'all, but this completely like changed the way I see a lot of things in the scripture this week. It doesn't become sin until I empower it with my flesh. Hang on. Hang on. I have authority on earth due to my dirt suit called the flesh. The enemy cannot force me to sin. He cannot take my arm and say, go strike this person. Nope. But he can tempt me through anger. But until I validate his temptation with my flesh, it's not sin. Right? So literally, without the flesh, it is impossible to sin. Ooh, hang on, hang on. Now we're on to something. Now we're on to something. So your flesh is the connective tissue to the world and temptation that creates sin. This is why the scripture talks implicitly and continually, crucify your flesh every day. It is like Velcro to temptation and sin. Literally, temptation will stick to your flesh, but to your spirit, it has no way to connect. That's why we're to edify the spirit, to lift up our spirit. Well, how do you live according to the spirit, not according to the flesh? Whichever you feed the most. Right? If you're constantly giving in 
to the temptations of the flesh, then your flesh is going to be stronger. But if you are more giving to the desires of the Spirit, then your spirit is strengthened, right? It's like having two animals. Which one's going to be stronger? The one you feed the most. So I will tell you, if you want to live according to the Spirit, feed your spirit. Well, how do you do that? You get in the Scripture. You find one or two verses and you just repeat them time and time again. You create a mantra out of God's Word and you remind yourself what the Word says about you, what it says for you, what it says for your children and your children's children. Right? And you begin to walk and function according to God's Word. Right? We've talked about this time and time again, but what you behold, you become. Right? So if you want to be led by the Spirit and have the benefits of the Spirit, then you have to feed and nourish the Spirit. And so you can do that with worship. And we had a great time of worship today. I appreciate our worship team. Just, man, a wonderful time of worship. But when you do that, one of the benefits uh, found in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 2, we're going to read it together is when you walk according to the Spirit, and this is where I'm going to spend most of my time today, is you get this the benefit of the hiding place. The hiding place. It's hidden all over the Scripture. And I found it again in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 2, going to verse 4. Let's read this together. It says, set your mind on things above. Hey, wait a second. We were just talking about feeding our spirit. There's another thing. Set your mind on the things above. If you would control your mindscape, holy smokes, you can do anything you want to do. See, the enemy realizes the battleground is your mind. Uh, Tim talked about it last week. If you will absolutely allow your mind to stay focused on the things that are above and eternal and not the things on earth, uh, you will begin to win the war of the Spirit, right? Now, this next part is interesting. Watch this. It's all placed together real nice. It says, for you died. You died. Why is that important? The part of you that is the connective tissue to temptation and a perpetual sin is dead. You left that in the tomb with Jesus. When you took on Christ, you were crucified with him. And therefore you died. And it says, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hang on, this is some interesting business. This is stuff I've never seen. I've read this scripture. I don't know how many times I've read this scripture. And I've never had this come to me. To be hidden. And I thought, how many ways... Can I show this? And Maddie, would you bring my um, changing thing? It's when you buy it on Amazon, if you ever want one of these, it's a porta potty or changing tent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're tricky. They're tricky. Thank you, sweetheart. Okay, can everybody see my, my changing, my changing uh, portal there, my changing tent? So the, th the three steps we're talking about is first, I say, Lord, I receive you as my Savior. I get saved. And then I begin this process, begin the process of sanctification. Salvation being instant. You will never be more saved than the minute you receive Jesus. But you can be more sanctified. 
Boy, I need more sanctification than anybody in here, right? Sanctification is the process in which I begin to work out of the flesh and into the spirit, okay? So I got saved, right? I was crucified. I died to the flesh, raised in the newness of life. But then there's this thing that begins to happen that pieces of me start getting hidden. And what happens is, is as I yield areas of my life to God, they begin to dissipate into the Spirit until you can't see the old me anymore, but all you can see is the Christ in me. Okay, now, 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 now hang on. We're going to spend some time with this old tent. People are saved and still addicted. People are saved and still struggling with their marriages. People are saved and still don't understand spiritual giving. People are saved and still having relational hell all over the world. Here's what's happening. Oh, I thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you for saving me, but you can't have my marriage. I can fix that myself. The picture is, Lord, I thank you for saving me and healing my marriage too. But people hang out these parts that they, for some reason, are afraid to give to God. And when it's not hidden... That flesh is exposed. And oh, that's where the tricky part comes in. In the book of John, it says that the devil roams around like a roaming lion seeking whom he may devour. I had the benefit of going to Africa last summer. These little sickly looking lions we got in our zoos over here. You see a, a for real, for real lion? For real, for real. Them jokers are like dinosaur additions. They are, I mean, the, the mane on this thing, like this big around, the snout wouldn't fit in a five-gallon bucket. These things are freakishly large. And they said the devil prowls around. We were on a safari. And they said, oh, there's lions close. I said, how you know? Maxwell, the driver, said, look, in the tree. He said, there are. Giant vultures there. The vultures hang around the lions to pick the bones when the lions are done. So if you're ever in Africa and you look up and there's some vultures, pretty much over for you. Yeah. So I'm sitting in this vehicle and out of this tall six foot sawgrass comes the king of the jungle. And he's just pacing. And then he turns and he looks right at our safari truck. And he found something interesting there. Because he begins to walk and his paws are this big around. And every time they touch the ground, you feel the ground move a little bit. And he's walking. And then he gets close enough and he starts looking you in the eye. Uh, 
And all of a sudden, the driver of the safari truck goes, you are safe. I said, Maxwell, I don't feel safe. I said, where is your gun? We do not carry guns. I said, I wish I would have known that before I got in your truck. I could have hooked him up. This lion is now, I mean, literally, I mean, four or five feet in front of the truck. And his eyes are over the hood. And he's just staring at us like this. He's going back and forth. I got video of this whole thing going back and forth like this in front of the truck. And I said, listen, listen, listen. I'll put, it, I'll put it on Facebook tonight, all right? So watch this. He's pacing in front of the truck, and he's looking at us. I said, what's he doing? He said, he's just making sure nobody's getting out of the truck. I said, what happens if you get out of the truck? He goes, you'll be dead in a matter of seconds. I said, are these doors locked, Maxwell? <laughs> he said, you're okay. He said, they, these, they, they respect the truck. They know that this truck, they're, they're familiar with the truck. But if you step outside the truck, you're on your own. You see it? Okay, so watch this. I said, Maxwell, has anybody ever got out of the truck? He said, yes. He said, a young man from Britain dropped his phone. And he opened the door to pick up his phone. And he said, the lion was on the hood of the truck before he had his phone. The lion was waiting to pounce because, see, the lion was seeking whom he might devour. But when you're inside the truck, he was familiar with the understanding that what's inside the truck is sacred. Because, see, the same truck that I was riding in is the same truck that delivers water when there is no water. That delivered food when they couldn't hunt. So he literally recognized that there's certain things you could approach that truck for, and unless it came out of the truck, you can't have it. So here's the picture. Lord, thank you for saving me, but this addiction I'm struggling with is all from me. I can handle this on my own. And the enemy says, oh. Here's a little bit of that believer hanging out over there. And then the temptations. The temptations, remember, he can't force you to sin. So he begins to lob in Ephesians chapter 6, these fiery arrows. And they always land so close to home. When you're struggling for something, when you're addicted to something, why is it that it seems to always be around? And you, 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 you're standing here and you're saved. But just here, within reach, is that thing that will destroy you. Why is that? Because the lion is at work, baby. And so here's what happens. We are so caught up with the desires of the flesh that we reach one more time for that thing that is temporary for the flesh. You see, eventually all things of the flesh are temporary. The minute you're born, you start dying, baby. It's all temporary, right? That which is flesh is all temporary. But things are really, I'm talking about one more high that might last 30 minutes to an hour. And you sacrifice 
everything to go get it. And you reach down and you grab that thing. You might get one or two uses. You might be okay the first one or two times, but eventually you're going to reach out to grab it and something's going to go, and the devil has set a hook in you called addiction. And now you want to go back, but now you're not in control anymore. You want to love God with a pure spirit. But because of a soul tie, you're hooked to somebody you were never meant to be hooked to. You want to love. You want to be free. You want to be used of God, but you're addicted to a chemical that limits you. You want to be used of God, but you can't even drive a car because of what the devil did to you in the past. You want to love this wonderful wife that God gave you, this wonderful husband that God gave you, but yet the only thing you can see when you're intimate is images that you allowed the enemy to put there. I'm stuck. Pastor, what do I do? I'm stuck. The process is the hook is only attached to my flesh. If I, watch this, watch this. If it's attached to my flesh and I die to the flesh and I'm raised again in the newness of life, that addicted me is over there now and I'm free to get back in my hiding place. Right? And each time it happens, I get a little more wise. I get a little more comfortable in the blood. I get a little bit more comfortable in the covering because see, Here's the beauty of it, is that this whole scenario was created so that you could have a place of shelter, a secret place. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That's what the Scripture says, right? That secret place. You see, the whole time I was growing up, people used to teach it, and they'd say, boy, you got to find that secret place, brother. Imagine if I was talking to my children and I said, I'll bless you, but it's a secret where you got to go. What kind of a father would I be? God corrected that for me this past Tuesday. He said, it's not a secret place. It's a place where I receive secrets. Do you see the difference? You remember growing up, you'd have a cool pair of shoes. Somebody said, where do you get them shoes? Like, the shoe place. Maybe it's just me. Where'd you get that jacket? The jacket's door. <laughs> Where'd you get that revelation? The secret place. Where'd you get that word? Secret place. Where'd you get that freedom? The secret place. Where did you, where did you leave your flesh? In the hiding place. You see, the old me is dead. You're looking at a new creature. And the power of that is, is that the enemy only has a license for the old me. Now, if I keep every day crucifying my flesh, every day living more in the spirit, that's less and less connective tissue the enemy has to me. Until pretty soon, I am so 
sewn up and hidden in God. That the only way I can be affected is when I reach out for the sin. It's important to understand that. You can be completely sheltered in the hiding place. See something. Hear something. Desire something. And it will draw you out of that hiding. That hiding place is a beautiful thing. Because see, that lion that roams around. For us in Africa, it was this truck. It's this hiding place, man. He was making eye contact with us and he didn't see a thing. Can I tell you the devil's the same way? There are certain things he just can't do based on spiritual laws. And see, let me, let me see if I can bring a little more understanding to this. Another word for the hiding place is the blood. See, some of y'all are dealing with problems. You're saved. And you're dealing with issues from your past because you hadn't put it under the blood. It's true. You're dealing with problems from your past that you thought just automatically took care of themselves. Nope. You got to put it at the feet of the cross where the blood of Jesus can atone for it. The problem is we sin and we say, Lord, take this from me. And he's so faithful to us. Thank you. I'll take that. And then you chase him down. Hang on, let me borrow that one more time, man. That was fun. And you take it out of his hand and you, you party one more time with it. And then you take it back to him. Hang on, Jesus. Hang on, man. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. Take this. I just, I feel too guilty when I'm messing with this thing. He says, okay, give it to me. And just about the time he's about to cast it as far as the east is from the west, we go, hang on, not hang on. Just one more time. It is not God and his issue. It's you and your issue. You have to give it to God and put it under the blood. Now, what does that look like? It's a very simple prayer. Dad, I can't fix this. I'm trying to stop. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. That's how Paul said it. I want to do better, but there's something in me that's connected to this thing that I need you to like, maybe break the chain for me. Because every time I try to stop doing what I'm doing, it keeps dragging me further into it. And I need to be over there, but I keep going further this way. I know I desire to be there, but it keeps dragging me further this way. So Lord, would you help me? Would you break those chains? And see, the scripture says it's the anointing that breaks the yokes of bondage. So that's why you'll be here in church and you'll feel as free as you will all week. Because you'll walk in here and the anointing that's on the ministries that function in this house will break chains. But you'll walk out of here and you'll put them back together. With your desires, with temptation, the wrong relationships, you will recreate your own bondage. And you was free just Sunday and by Tuesday, locked up again.
wishing you could be in the hiding place. That hiding place is important, but it's not the main focus. It's not the main focus. The best part of this whole story is point number five, and I'm closing. Colossians chapter three tells us that there's a hiding place that we're hidden with Christ. Why are we hidden with Christ? So that we can be revealed with Christ. In Jude chapter one, verse 24, it says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. You see, all of this story that I've told you today comes down to this one moment in time to where you are going to stand before God. And you are either going to stand there in your own bondage and your own mistakes and your own sin, or you are going to stand there hidden with Christ. Hidden in blood. And the beautiful thing is, is that what the Spirit showed me this week is that I read that scripture wrong. It says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you. Uh -uh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence. Maddie was two years old. We were at Disney World. I had her in the stroller. And I come around a corner and Wendy goes, where's Maddie? And I look down, the stroller's empty. We talk about a scary moment. We instantly went into full rage mode, you know, looking under clothes. And I grabbed one of the cast members and drug him over by the door. I said, nobody gets out. Nobody gets out. Man, thought I'd lost my mind. And I had, because I'd lost one of my children. Parents, that's a scary thing. You will lose your mind to find your child. And so Wendy's, looking under racks. I take off out in this at uh, Hollywood Studios. I take off running down toward the big magic hat thing. And I look off in a distance. And here's this man walking with my daughter back toward me. And I sprint as fast as this fat body could go. Ran. And the guy grabs her and hands her to me. He says, man, he says, I don't know what happened. He goes, uh, he goes, let me show you. He goes, my wife's right there with our daughter. And she was holding her mother's hand. And your daughter reached and grabbed my hand. I didn't even look down. He said, he goes, you can see the, the guy looked a lot like me as far as shape and size and build. Maddie just thought she was walking with her dad. And so once the guy realized what had happened, he was like, where did I feel this hand? It was somewhere back this way. And so he began to walk his steps back to try to put Maddie back with me. To him who is able to keep you and to present you. There is no greater gift you can give a parent than a lost child. <laughs> Jesus' job as our brother 
was to come to earth to get us to detach from that which is temporary, the flesh, and fix our focus on that which is eternal and to stay with him in this hidden place until a time appointed where we will go before the great throne of God and there we will stand. And if we have been hidden, all of our transgressions are gone. And the King of all glory will look down and say, I have missed you. Welcome home. Every since the flesh was created, the devil has had access to us. And he's done everything he could to drag us and lead us by temptation away from our Father. And God said they're not strong enough. Their flesh is too strong. Their five senses is tearing them up. Jesus, you got to go and show them a different way. That's why when we looked around heaven, he couldn't send an angel. Somebody had to step into the flesh. Somebody had to win in the flesh. And so when Jesus beat the devil at his own game, the game of the flesh, he created this wonderful thing called the blood in the hiding place. And see, eternity is going to be something kind of like this. You get saved. You begin to live the right way. You start doing the things according to the word. And yes, you make mistakes, but you're still under the blood. And you're going to be somewhere and you're going to hear your name called. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You're going to give an account. And they're going to say, well, Joshua Neal, please come forward to give an account. I'll have no choice. I'll have to walk that walk. But I won't walk it alone. Because on that day, the scripture says, I will walk in Christ. So Jesus will walk like this. Here we are, Dad. And I'll probably walk in something like this. Hang on, Jesus. Hang on now. Hang on. Hang on now. Jesus will walk up and he'll say, here we are. So we, he called my name. He said, yeah, but you've been hidden in me the whole time. He said, it's not your transgressions. It's my perfection he called forward. And so now every failure I ever had stays in the hidden place. But I come out. So here's the picture today for you. You either know that your, your sins are covered or you don't. You either know that you got a relationship with Jesus or you don't. And so instead of like trying to chase down some, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I want to chase down some absolutes just real quick. If you know that you know that you know that you're saved, you got that covered. You're in the process of being consecrated and changed and you're heading toward that perfecting of the hidden place. If that's you, I want to see your hand. 
you know you're saved. Praise God. Put your hands down. All right, I'm talking to everybody else now. Everybody else, if you couldn't raise your hand. This is a free gift. It wasn't cheap, but it's free. It cost you nothing, but it cost Jesus everything. So my question to you is, do you want to know that you know that you know? Do you want to leave here with that assurance that the other people just raised their hand at? Because you can have it. You can have it. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And see, my whole spill up here today is to get you to believe. To give you enough scriptural evidence to see that there is proof. This hiding that takes place in the blood of Jesus. Man, it's more real than the floor I'm standing on, the chair you're sitting in. All this stuff will go away. This is all temporal. But there'll be a day coming we'll be faced with eternity. And on that day, that is what we'll stand. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, uh, you can be saved for 100 years. I still want you to repeat after me. I want everybody to repeat after me. You know what? I'm going to listen to the Spirit just real quick. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hold that repeat after me just for a second. The Lord said, there's people here who would confess me behind closed doors. They won't confess me before man. So if you're here, I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but I am going to ask you to hold your hand up. If you're here and you want to know that you know and you want me to pray for you, if you want to know that you know, raise your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I look across this crowd. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. This is between you and the Lord. I got you, brother. Anybody else? I'm not going to rush this moment. I'm not going to push past this. A couple more seconds. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you're saved, just pray. In fact, the Holy Spirit's just like, there's a young lady, you're, you're here right now, and you told somebody this, way, this week, something has to change. And God said, this is your moment. You said, something has to give. Something has to change. That, that came out of your mouth on a phone call this week. Who are you? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Can I tell you, he sees you and he loves you. You know, when they brought Maddie back to me, I didn't care if she was dirty. I did not care that she was hurting, that she was scared. I just picked her up and held her. Because her place is with me and your place is with your father. Saints pray, there's somebody else. Who is this other person? 
Holy Spirit showed to me. Let me see him. Help me to find him. Holy Spirit's just holding us up just a little second longer. Holy Spirit, please help me find him. You just feel like this, this turning inside of you that just, just feels like your stomach's almost a little bit queasy. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the conviction of the Lord drawing you back to his loving repentance. <laughs> Anyone else? I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to keep going. Anybody else before I go forward? Did I miss you? Anybody else? God bless you. I got you right there. That's you. Father, in Jesus' name, your word will never return void. We are all your lost children, but we're coming home. We'll be there soon. Until then, we're going to find some more. Until you call us home, we're going to go hunting some more. We got brothers and sisters that have been lied to and they're, they're hurt and they're lost. Help us to find them. Bring them to us or bring us to them. We don't care. Everybody in here, just repeat this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for the hiding place. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. I receive the benefit of the cross right now. I believe with my heart and I'm confessing with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I receive you as my father. Thank you for receiving me as your child. I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Everybody stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Whew. Goodness gracious. We serve a loving and benevolent God. He loves you. If you don't hear another thing I say today, you hear that God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Let me bless you. Lord, bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Lord, keep us in the hiding place. Give us wisdom to run to the hiding place to seek the refuge of the blood of Jesus and to give you our whole selves, not partial pieces of our life as it's convenient, but to just dive headfirst into your goodness. I pray you bring us back next week with more wisdom and more of your word locked away in our heart. And for that, we will give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.